Leeds in West Yorkshire, the county's largest city and home to almost a million people. It's also home to one of the largest hospital trusts in the country, the Leeds Teaching Hospitals. Hi, my name's Liz Whitaker. I'm a broadcaster, journalist and Yorkshire resident. And in this podcast series, I'm going to take you on a journey behind the scenes as I'm invited into the hospitals that are doing incredible things, not just saving lives. In this episode, I'm looking at the next generation of Leeds teaching hospitals. With over 21,000 staff and the need to constantly develop talent, but also push people and medicine forward, I wanted to see how Leeds was staying at the forefront of staff development and the latest technologies. I had the privilege to meet three of Leeds's next generation. They all have very different roles within the hospital and are at different stages of their careers, but they all have one thing in common. Their drive to become the best, not only for themselves, but for every patient. First up, the robots are taking over. I headed to St James's Hospital to meet consultant gynaecologist James. I was a trainee probably about six years ago. The World Conference was in Brisbane, which was a great excuse for a holiday. But actually there was an American gynaecologist there called Gabby Moad who really spearheaded their robotic program at um, Houston, somewhere in Texas. And the presentation was mind-blowing. The, the results that he was getting were unbelievable, unbelievable. Without breaking sweat, he managed to do four hysterectomies in one day, three of which went home the same day, which is unbelievable, really. I mean, we, we are doing day case hysterectomies, so we could probably get one patient home from a list. But to get three out of four was just another level. James Tibbet is a consultant gynaecologist who specialises in laparoscopic surgery. That's keyhole surgery to you and I. He's also someone who doesn't like to stand still when it comes to learning. Do you want to be like everybody else or do you want to do something a bit different, I suppose? And, and, and you know, we're, we're quite forward-thinking and ambitious people and so the robotic... Uh, program sort of fitted into that. Um, again, not mainly for my ego, but I genuinely believe it will will get better results for our patients, which is which is the end goal, really. So, so yeah, so we embarked on that, and it's been a long process of paperwork, fact finding, but it's been interesting. James has been a driving force when it comes to taking robotic surgery to the next level in Leeds, and the gynaecology team make it their mission to ensure every woman and those assigned female at birth get world-class care and incredible outcomes. You can't put your face two, uh, two millimetres from somebody's peritoneum and work out what's what. I think that's, that aspect of laparoscopic and robotic surgery is amazing. And then the robotic surgery is the upgrade from the, from the laparoscopic surgery because it has this, every instrument has these articulating arms so they can bend in really uh, sort of natural positions, if you want a better word, and just add a precision to the surgery that's unrivaled. Like I said, imagine an operation where you have gynaecology, colorectal, urology and thoracic surgery all operating in one modality on one patient. 
without them having multiple general anaesthetics. I think that's just, and I'm, that is the goal. That that's such an amazing feat. If we can achieve that, that'd be great. I actually can't remember what the original question was. I get, <laughs> no, I get flight of ideas sometimes. Robots aren't a new technology in Leeds, as the hospital's been a hub for robotics, especially in the field of urology. However, non-cancer gynaecology surgery has yet to catch up with this robotic revolution. Trying to do the best surgical job possible is the goal, and, and I just can't see a future in complex endometriosis surgery that doesn't involve the robot. It just makes sense for all the specialities involved. I think if you don't involve the other specialities in these complex patients, you're, you're doing a disservice to your patients. So if we need to involve urology, if we need to involve colorectal, I think the future in the UK is that to be on one system, on robotic system. We will continue to do laparoscopic cases for the less inverted commas complex cases. Again, endometriosis just isn't as black and white as the most complex disease gives you the most pain or the most problems. You know, we see women with horrendous amounts of pain that have surgically quite straightforward to treat disease and treating that can make a massive difference to some people. Um, right patients, right kits, right, right people, I think. This is a little three, three thing buzzwords. Let's talk about endometriosis. It's a condition where tissue that's supposed to stay in the womb grows in places like the ovaries and fallopian tubes. It affects a whopping one in 10 women here in the UK. What surprised me the most, however, was that there's currently no cure for endometriosis. But with the amazing minds of people like James, the situation is improving. I suppose it's a good thing that I feel like we haven't achieved a lot. But when you, on reflection, we have, I think it's just the ambition and hunger to, uh, to, to get to where we want to be. But everybody's allowed to have holidays and time off. Not everybody needs to be at their computer answering emails 24-7. <laughs> Is James gonna hear this? Because he's just never gonna, you know, he's never gonna let me live this down. So my name is Shupe Kila Chipeta. I'm a consultant gynaecologist and I'm the lead for the gynaecology unit here in Leeds. Um, I spoke with Dr. Chupa Chipeta. She's a much admired consultant gynaecologist and the lead for the unit. Her mentorship ensures that James is equipped with the necessary skills and insights to bring about positive changes in the field of gynaecology, particularly in the area of endometriosis care. Together, they're dedicated to improving healthcare and transforming the lives of their patients using advancements in robotic surgery. I've teased him before that I'm kind of jealous that he's first in because, you know, I always wanted to, um, uh, to, to do robotic surgery myself. I'm sure there will be in the future, but it's absolutely right and just that he's the one to do it. And I'm so very proud that, you know, he's bringing uh, robotic surgery for gynaecology to Leeds. Tell me how you're gonna feel when you have successfully completed the first operation with this robot. Yeah, I'd just be so relieved, so happy, because it's the start. It's the start of, of what could be, and um, I think there are some really great people around the country doing some amazing things with robotics that we just couldn't achieve, open or laparoscopic surgery, and it's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of that, but you know, just want, just really want to try and achieve, hit those heights and achieve the best that we can.
I think that there's something really healthy in a clinician who can self-reflect and recognize both their strengths, but also their weaknesses, because then we can improve. So, uh, and, and he's also quite junior in, in many respects. You know, he's, this is his first consultant job, so I can understand those concerns. I hope he feels very well supported and he hope, I hope he knows that if there's a stumble, we're there, you know. And so to answer your question, I think he is absolutely capable. I think his concerns are understandable, but that's life and that's medicine. Um, and it's never one person's struggle or one person's journey. It's a, hopefully a collaboration, but with somebody who leads, you know, and in this case, he's leading us with this particular project. Do you have a nickname for the robot? No, I haven't. Does, Does James have a nickname for the robot? No, but I think you should. Well, I think, I think, I think, when, I, I think when I get there, I probably will, because I named my car, so. So I'll probably, I'll probably name the robot. What's your car called? Um, but, well, it's, it's not very exciting. It's called Blue because it's blue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave James to keep on learning the ins and outs of the robot and move on to the brain. I, I mean, this one's easy for me. So I love vascular. And for me, my favourite type is uh, doing a clipping of an aneurysm. It's very high-risk surgery. But I think that also makes me want to do it more because I'm, kind, I'm that kind of person that wants to do something that's, that's high risk, actually. When I'm placing a clip, I've probably stopped breathing for a short while. I'm sure if they put monitors on me, my heart rate would be all over the place. But uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. I think it's, um, it's certainly something I want to do for the rest of my life. Fozia is in her sixth year of neurosurgical training. She's still got another two jam-packed years before starting to apply for consultant jobs. I was brought up in a small town called Rochdale in Greater Manchester. You might have heard of it. <laughs> it's very small. Um, I went to Hull York Medical School and I was based in York, so it's University of York for the first few years. I had a great time there. And then at some point during my medical school training, to be exact, it's between the second and third year of my medical school training, I'd developed an interest for neurosurgery. And that was only because um, I came to Leeds and I shadowed a neurosurgeon for, for two weeks. He probably is the reason I'm doing neurosurgery. <laughs> and um, I did my first, what we call a burr hole. So it's essentially making, making a hole in the, in the skull with a drill. And I did my first uh, burr hole as a second year medical student and I was sold. And I went, this is it. I was like, this is definitely something I want to do. Um, and then I, that's it. I was, from there onwards, everything has been neurosurgery related. Um, or everything I've done since. You can use your last year as doing a fellowship. And you spend that one year in a different unit. In a, you could, it could be in a different country as well. And you spend that one year training in, in part of neurosurgery that you find most interesting. So for me, that would be vascular. As Fozia just mentioned there, she'll be doing a fellowship in another part of the UK. And she's also arranged to shadow a world-renowned Japanese bypass surgeon for three months. It's daunting, <laughs> but it, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a great experience. And it's, it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences that you do not want to give up on. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. All of this on top of having to sit exams at the start of 2024. And then after that, you then start applying for jobs or you do another fellowship. It depends on, you know, what the situation is like. Um, and at the, at the moment, it's quite difficult um, to get jobs because there's just far too many uh, 
trainees being qualified and not enough neurosurgery jobs. So you have to take extra steps to ensure that you can, you know, you can secure a job. But what I didn't realise when hearing all about Fosia's amazing plans is that she has a husband, he's a lawyer, and they live together in a very trendy part of Leeds. This is the part that no, I don't think many people will know, is that throughout your training, um, you are separated from your family quite a bit because you have to move around a lot. It's somewhat seen as something normal for us now. So uh, me going away for one year is something expected to be away from my husband for a year, and he knows that. And actually, I don't see it mu- so much as a challenge. I just see it as something that, you know, I will do and I will get over and I will be a better person at the end of it. The end goal is to get a consultant job in a place that I want to be in. And he works in Leeds, so we, ideally we want to stay in Leeds. And in order to do that, I have to make sacrifices uh, along the way. It's difficult enough being a neurosurgeon. And so showing somebody who wants to do that and likes the idea of doing that, how to actually live that life and have impact and deliver on those demands it is really important. And I, and I take it really seriously and I'm really passionate about inspiring that. You know, I don't actually feel very old myself. You know, I like to think that I'm still young and, you know, I'm inspired by so many great mentors. I'm Ryan Matthew. I'm an associate professor at the University of Leeds and an honorary consultant neurosurgeon at Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust. Ryan plays a really important role as mentor to many surgical trainees and university students. But the reason why I'm speaking to him today is he's Fosia's mentor and she's currently his registrar. I never wanted to be a neurosurgeon. I didn't even want to be a doctor. I wanted to go into finance and business and become an entrepreneur work in the city and I at the age of 17 went and did a work experience placement with a neurosurgeon and on the first morning I arrived we went to theatre and he split someone's face open and accessed the bottom of their brain put them back together we went to the intensive care unit with this patient wrapped in bandages from you know their entire head and he squeezed the surgeon's hand and mumbled that he was feeling fine And I just thought, wow, I want to do that instead. And that really is what inspired me to do neurosurgery. And I came to medical school wanting to be a neurosurgeon. My journey so far has been thanks to so many wonderful people who've given me their time, their energy, their, you know, advice. Uh, They've been, you know, equally brutal at times, but that's been so important to me. And the best way I've always thought to thank them is to pass that on and give my own time and energy to other people. And actually as a mentor, it's really important that I guide a mentee to maximise their own skill set, maximise the opportunities they have to develop and train, but also for them to feel that sense of achievement, that they've had impact and they've achieved something. You know, I'm not here to take the credit for their work. I'm here to guide them so that they see the fruits of their labour and then are motivated and inspired to work harder and do more and achieve more. I think that's a really important quality. Actually, I was probably, I think, in fact, I was his first registrar when he became a consultant. Four years later, and I've become his registrar again, or uh, uh, I'm working for him again. 
so we, we would normally be assigned a registrar, so a trainee gets assigned to you as a consultant and they work with you for six months and they learn from you directly in that six months. They shadow you in everything that you do and we train them in all the operations that we do. By that person then rotating through all of the consultants over their eight year period of time, they pick up all of these basic skills across the neurosurgical board. A very close working relationship and also a personal relationship too. So every time that I feel I need some support or help, then he's there to do that or provide that support for me. To give you an example, so we operated a few weeks ago. We did a very tough case. Soon after that case, we had an informal meeting where we, we went through all the good bits or what my strengths were in that case. At least for myself, I find it difficult to pick out the strengths because um, you never focus on them. You always focus on the weaknesses. So he, he makes you do that. He makes you think of what you're good at doing. And, and it's a really important quality to have, actually. And then you think about all the things that you could improve on. And he does that with every case. And that has helped me greatly because it's helped me focus. I think it's also really important to understand that they are not you. Everyone is an individual. And the things that, you know, worry me or motivate me may not be the same things that worry my mentees and motivate them. So I think understanding people on a, on a really personal level is, is important to get the best out of them. And I think that opening yourself up a little bit personally and letting them know that actually it's very easy to look at a mentor and think of them as just very successful individuals that seem to be flying. But I'm really honest and open and tell them my worst fears and my insecurities. And, you know, I think that just means they don't feel like their relative failures are a barrier to them being really successful and having impact. And I, I think that's really important. I've learned a lot from Mr. Matthew. I've learned a lot about how he mentors. I am a academic personal tutor to, I think, 14 students. Uh, medical students and I do that on a yearly basis. In a way it's helped me because I it feels like I'm helping them and helping them through their journey, the journey that I've already been on before. And I can pass on my advice, my expertise, etc. And places sometimes they've wanted help in trying to get experience elsewhere, if they wanted help with research projects, I've been help, able to help them with all that. And it doesn't even stop there. Fozia, for the last year, has split her role between neurosurgery and as chief registrar for the 1,100 doctors within the trust. I make it sound easy. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work. It is a lot of sacrifices. There are, there are lots of sacrifices. Um, but I think the reward at the end is worth it. At least I see it like that. Even though Fozia is leaving for a year, I have no doubt in my mind that she'll be back and she'll be leading the way in Leeds for many, many years to come. I don't think there's been a time where I've woken up and thought, why am I doing neurosurgery? Not once have I, have I questioned myself. And that for me just tells me that I've picked the right career for myself. Although there may be some tough challenges ahead, I know that I will be able to overcome them. I see them as a family because I spend so much time with in neurosurgery that everyone in neurosurgery are like uh, is like another family to me. And there's such a great bunch of people. And obviously I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that group. So 
for me, it would be a privilege and an honour to be working in Leeds as a consultant. My final stop is maternity services. Hi, I'm Carla Gibson. Um, I'm one of the senior maternity support workers in Leeds and work in two specialist caseloading teams, which are the multiples and the mental health midwifery teams. I've been a maternity support worker now for 11 years and I'm going on to do the midwife apprentice role. 35-year-old Carla Gibson is one of three existing Leeds-based maternity support workers who only months ago was offered a place on the brand new midwifery degree apprenticeship. This means in 40 months' time, Carla will be the proud owner of a BSc midwifery degree and will be a Band 5 registered midwife. I think so. I've always had this little inkling that I wanted to be a midwife. But I think it's always that self-doubt in the back of your head that you know, you know, kind of you're not good enough or you're not academic enough. I feel like I'm really great with my kind of practical skills. I know I can do it now and I think that's given me the motivation. I was successful in getting a, a kind of place on the, the degree route, but the apprentice route was what I always deeply wanted. So I think the benefit of this is that you're recruiting people as student midwives who have a really good understanding of what the job involves. Um, this is Pippa Hatch, a clinical midwife who's undergoing a two-year secondment as a maternity support worker lead. She's a key player in shaping the future of maternal care and her team's development. I think what I really love about my role is, is developing people's or de developing their role, but also giving them a really good understanding of who they are, what they bring to the role, drawing out the best in themselves. So perhaps you've, you've got someone who just hasn't been encouraged in their life or hasn't had those opportunities. So sitting down with them and saying, what are you really passionate about? What do you bring? And, and helping them recognise their, you know, whether they're an introvert or whether they're an extrovert or, you know, whether they work well in teams or alone and just helping them have a really good understanding of themselves so they know the roles that they would suit best and so that's been I've, I've really enjoyed doing that and getting alongside some staff who have had low confidence and and just really encouraging them and saying okay if you don't quite meet this criteria I'm going to really help you to get on this course or or look at what training you need to enable you to get to the point where you can become a band three or um, or become a midwife or if you're if you, if you don't ever want to become a midwife how can we develop you so that you're the best MSW at your particular level and so I mean Carla is an outstanding support worker working in the multiples and um, mental health team and so it's looking at uh, those support workers who are perhaps working on the wards and thinking do they have a particular passion about an area that we can I can look at how do I support them to move into those roles. As long as I'm a midwife who can support the patients and their families, that, that's, all, that's all I want really. And someone that my children can be proud of as well. I think they've seen this journey. They've seen me kind of getting really stressed about essays and, and exams and all that kind of thing. And they are such a good sense of encouragement. And actually I've shown them that actually it doesn't matter what grade you come out of school with. You know, if you've got that passion and determination, you'll get there. And I think that, that's the important thing. Where are you going to be in five years, Carla? Head of mid, head of mid, head of mid, free. <laughs> <laughs> we 
really proud of Carla and, and her colleagues who were successful. It was really hard actually, it was really difficult because we had loads of interest and actually loads of our MSWs met the entry criteria and were interested in going for it which says a lot about their ambitions and their drive and their will to develop in their careers. Um, Meet Hannah Murphy, the workforce lead for women's services at LTHT. She's responsible for crafting a solid workforce strategy. Hannah's dedication to the team's well-being not only boosts job satisfaction, but it also keeps staff motivated and makes them stick around for the long haul. It was a really difficult field, but um, Carla and her two colleagues absolutely shone on the day. And I think just in terms of their experience that they're going to bring. And, and we had to think as well, the, the lead for the course, uh, the lead for the apprenticeship course from Huddersfield University, is, which is where we're doing it was on the interview panel and she, she was really impressed by all the candidates but particularly these three um, who were successful and I think um, she was thinking about them as individuals but also as part of the cohort. They're blazing a trail, they're one of the first groups of people who are doing this and and we had to think about how they would be in those, co you know, I think we've got future leaders here in front of us mm. definitely. Sure. We were really excited. So when I left school when I was 16, um, so the kind of my career started in an apprenticeship within St James's Hospital. So I feel like I've gone from having so many opportunities from kind of doing that apprenticeship to coming back and, and kind of having even more opportunities. Um, it's a real privilege. I think it's, it was a really sought after um, place. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really pleased um, that I've got a place. What's really exciting about this is, is it does create a career trajectory um, for our, our workforce and I think historically maternity support workers uh, sort of get to a band two or band three and hit a bit of a ceiling and so what this has is just created a lot more opportunities so I think it will in the future it will encourage those who are wanting to be midwives look at this as a way into midwifery uh, rather than almost the end goal being a maternity support worker. I think you've got to give it your all. You've always got to be willing to learn new things, but you've got to have a passion for the outcomes for these patients. I think you're just part of such a great team. I think coming into the hospital, because I've been coming into the hospital since I was 16, just feels like home and everybody is so supportive. And I think in terms of going for the midwife apprentice, I think the other bit of, as well as the financial security, obviously that's, you know, it's great. I think it's that support that I know that I will have from my colleagues and, and from Pip and Hannah and everybody else because they are amazing on a daily basis of providing support. What was interesting from my time with James, Fozia and Carla was that they're at very differing points in their careers, but all being pushed and encouraged in their development, something which the NHS is really keen to support. In the coming months, James is eagerly preparing for his first robotic surgery. Fozia will be jetting off to Japan for three months. And Carla is excitedly anticipating the start of her midwifery apprenticeship. They are just three shining examples among the more than 21,000 dedicated and passionate staff members employed by the Trust, all committed to delivering exceptional healthcare and making a positive impact on the lives of their patients. If a career in healthcare is something that you're thinking about, it really can be your life's work. I'd like to thank James, Shupa, Fozia, Ryan, Carla, Pippa and Hannah for being so generous with their time and seeing a glimpse into the future of medicine here in Yorkshire.
You've been listening to Vital Signs, the podcast from Leeds Teaching Hospitals. Click follow to make sure you don't miss our next episode.